Grace, peace, and mercy be to you on this, a splendid Good Friday. <coughs> Saw a newspaper article from a Palestinian newspaper that was about a shepherd that was taking care of his sheep in the pen. That night, a large wolf jumped over and grabbed one of his little lambs right in its mouth. The shepherd sprang into action and ran after the wolf. He was able to get the sheep away from him, but unfortunately, the wolf attacked the shepherd. He was bitten and scratched horribly, and he finally got rid of the animal. He had enough energy to go back and take this little tiny lamb and bandage it up and to be able to hold it at his chest all night long. The next morning, the people of the town realized that the shepherd had not returned from his shift. They went to his pen and they found him laying there. He had succumbed to his wounds and was dead. But he had the little lamb still laying there with him, alive and well. The title of this article I saw was simply written, Sheep Found Alive, Covered in the Shepherd's Blood. True story that mimics even a truer story that you and I have the privilege of being able to hear tonight. The story of a shepherd who lives here with us on this earth, leaving everything behind complete perfection to be able to come here and to live like us to be able to live with us he doesn't have a privileged life things don't always go his way jesus knows what exactly what it's like to to have pain to have sorrow to have tears think about his life as soon as he is born and sent to this earth He's not born in a place of privilege, but in a place of poverty. From a very short time after that, people begin to come after the Lord. In fact, Herod goes after him almost immediately, trying to have all of the young babies killed within Bethlehem to be able to put this king of the Jews out of his misery, out of his life, so he has no other competition. But Jesus' family is able to walk away from this, and Jesus is saved. Later on, we hear a story of when Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he's there reading the scripture to the people, and he's talking about uh, the scroll of Isaiah. The people do not like what he is saying and what he is claiming in his own right, and so they decide they're going to throw him off of a cliff. They take him to the cliff's edge, and the scripture says that Christ walks through the crowd, and he leaves and escapes again. Short time later, Jesus goes to Jerusalem. The people there do not like him either. They don't like the claims that he's making of being able to be a healer, of being able to be the son of God. And so they decide they're going to stone him. They all pick up stones, and it looks like this is the end for our Savior, and again, he just walks through the crowd. But tonight the walking stops, at least the walking of an escape route. Tonight the walk that our Savior takes leads only to one place, 
the sword couldn't get him, the cliff could never get him, the stones couldn't get him, but tonight the cross does. He can't walk away because walking away on this occasion leaves all of us in the lurch. And not just those of us here tonight, but every man, woman, and child that has ever lived on this earth and ever will live on this earth. And this cross is truly only the instrument of death that we see. What really puts our Lord to death, what really punishes him, is our sin. Something that's a part of all of us. Sin is so horrible, yet we constantly allow it to be a part of our lives. It comes knocking at our door, and we look through the peephole, and we are able to see it, and we still open the door to our lives wide open so it can come right in. And sin wrecks our kitchen and our living room and our bedroom and our family room, destroying lives, relationships, jobs, financial elements, you name it. It wrecks everything. But we still let it in every single time. Sin is discussed over and over again within Scripture. I saw this verse tonight from Second Peter saying that he himself, talking about Christ, obviously, bore our sins in his body on the cross. You see, that's the good news that we get to hear tonight. And you should hear that over and over and over again of what our Savior has done specifically for you to be able to take all those horrible items and to put them upon himself. And we need to know that. Because if you don't know that our Lord takes away your sin on this Good Friday evening, you live with those sins forever. And living with sin is, is horrible. Living with sin is, is something that will break us down more than you have ever seen. We have to have hope. We have to have something to be able to hang on to. Because if you live with that sin, you will spend the rest of your life trying to get rid of it in some way that is completely unhealthy if we don't come face to face with our Savior. Here's just a few of the ways that maybe we try to be able to get rid of that. Some of us here tonight probably project when we try to get rid of our sin. We throw it on other people. It was their fault. They made me do it. Maybe you should have stopped me from doing it. It's definitely not my fault. Maybe some of us rationalize our sin. Oh, this one is pretty small. God's not going to worry about this one. It's all right if I do it just this one time. It's really no big deal. Maybe others of you make a comparison. It's so easy to look at my neighbor to the left or to the right. I'm not as bad as them. I'm here at church on Friday night. They're probably out doing something else. And we compare ourselves to people around us. Maybe some of you repress your sin and you hold it inside and you bottle it up. You don't want anybody to know about it. You don't want to confess it. You just hide it. Let it eat away at you little by little. Maybe some of us here use distraction to be able to get rid of our sin. We try to find things in the world to be able to take up our time, our effort, our energy. 
Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's a hobby. Anything to be able to get our mind off of the sins that we have committed. Maybe some of us use evasion. We try to be able to just get away with it. Just forget about it. Maybe we fill our bodies with constant abuse of alcohol or drugs or something else in the world that we become addicted to so we can just forget about the rest of the sin that we have to deal with. There's probably 50 other things we could put on this list. Ways that we try to get rid of that sin over and over again. But it only happens one way. And that's what John is trying to share with us tonight when he writes this gospel. He says, the man who saw it has given testimony. He's talking about himself. I was there, John says. I saw what happened. And his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you may also believe. Hear it again. This is what John wants you to know and wants me to know tonight. That this is truly a a good Friday. That Jesus goes through all of these things so that our sin may be forgiven. So that you aren't comparing. That you aren't stuffing it down. That you aren't making excuses. That you're just giving your sin over to God. But, but I also want you to know the price that was paid so that we can do that. It wasn't a small price. It wasn't a cheap price. In fact, it was a horrendous Price begins with people making fun of our Lord. As they slap him and spit on him and drag him through literal hell. They strip him naked. And this doesn't just happen on one occasion. They strip him down three different times in front of different groups so that they can laugh at him, so that he can be humiliated, so that he can be naked in front of others. And he does this for you. It's not enough, so they begin to flog him. And usually when maybe we think about someone getting whipped, we think about their their back taking the pain. But the guards would take pieces of leather and put bone and steel and glass, anything sharp that they could find inside of it. And when they would whip, it wouldn't just hit your back, but reach around to your chest, rip flesh off your ribs, take pieces off the back of your leg. Completely horrific. They sentence him to the crime of being able to be there with people who are murderers, the worst thieves in the world, to be crucified. They place these large nails inside of his wrists, a nail in his feet. They actually become the only way that Christ can breathe as he has to pull up on these nails and push up with his feet just to be able to get an agonizing breath. His arms become dislocated on the cross. His breathing is more than heavy. 
His heart can't take it anymore. He goes into a rest. And he says those words, it is finished. It is finished, this, this steep price that had to be paid for our sin. The guards come and they begin breaking the legs of the criminals that are to his right and to his left. But when they come to Jesus, he is already passed. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing this sudden flow of blood and water. There's a painting I saw this week. It was done uh, quite some time ago. It's done by a man named Peter Rubens, and it's entitled The Descent from the Cross. It actually is the exact portrayal of the gospel lesson that Pastor Mark read for us tonight. You can see down in the bottom left-hand corner there the three women that gather. All three of them are named Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus, Mary the sister of Lazarus that he raised from the dead, and Mary Magdalene, which he removed seven different uh, demons from at one point. Around him are different men that are helping being able to get Jesus' body off the cross. Of course, right there in the middle is Jesus himself. You see that lifeless, bruised body. You see the piercing in his side that the gospel describes where the blood and the water flow. And then right there at the foot of the cross, you see this individual in red. This is John who writes the gospel for us. When I first saw this painting, I thought it was so detracting that John was in such bright red. It stands out so much. Couldn't the artist have put him in white for purity or purple for royalty of being a gospel writer, but instead he puts him in red. But there was a very specific reason he did this. You see, John is supposed to be covered in this blood of Christ. That he sits there at the foot of the cross and receives the forgiveness of his Lord only for one reason, because Jesus has died for him. You and I also come and gather at the foot of that cross tonight and remember that exact same promise that was made for us. In fact, that's how that scripture verse from 2 Peter, 1 Peter continues on. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body and on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. That is the gospel truth that is given to me and to you tonight. Jesus' body descends off that cross. When we get up tomorrow, there'll be nothing but an empty element that sits there. Jesus has died. We are covered in his blood. But because of this sacrifice, each one of us lives. The shepherd who gave his life for his sheep.